0: Chapter six, Mr. Toad. Mm -hmm. It was a bright morning in the early part of summer. The river had resumed its wonted banks and its accustomed pace, and a hot sun seemed to be pulling everything green and bushy and spiky up and out of the earth towards him, as if by strings. The mole and the water rat had been up since dawn, very busy on matters connected with boats and the opening of the boating season, painting and varnishing, mending paddles, repairing cushions, hunting for missing boat hooks and so on, and were finishing breakfast in the little parlour and eagerly discussing their plans for the day when a heavy knock sounded at the door. "'Bother,' said the rat, all over Egg. "'See here it is, Mole, like a good chap. "'Since you've finished.' The mole went to attend the summons, and the rat heard him utter utter a cry of surprise. Then he flung the parlour door open and announced with much importance, "'Mr. Badger!' "'This was a wonderful thing indeed.' That the badger should pay a formal call on them or indeed on anybody he generally had to be caught if he wanted him badly and he slipped quietly along the hedgerow of an early morning or late evening or else hunted up in his own house in the middle of the wood which was a serious undertaking the badger strode heavily into the room and stood looking at the two animals with an expression of seriousness the rat let his egg spoon fall On the tablecloth and sat open-mouthed the hour has come said the badger at last with great solemnity what hour asked the rat uneasily glancing at the clock on the mantelpiece whose hour you should rather say replied the badger why toad's hour the hour of toad i said i would take him in hand as soon as the winter was well over and i'm going to take him in hand today toad's hour of course cried the mole delight delightedly hurrah i remember now we'll teach him to be a sensible toad
1: this very morning continued the badger taking an armchair as i learnt last night from a trustworthy source another new and exceptionally powerful motor car will arrive at toad hole on approval or return at this very moment perhaps toad is busy arraying himself in those singularly hideous habiliments so dear to him which transform him from a comparatively good-looking toad into an object, which throws any decent-minded animal that comes across it into a violent fit. We must be up and doing, ere it is too late. You two animals will accompany me instantly to Toad Hole, and the work of rescue shall be accomplished. Right you are, cried the rat, starting up. We'll rescue that poor, unhappy animal. We'll convert him. He'll be the most converted toad that ever was before we've done with him they set up off the road on their mission of mercy, badger leading the way. Animals, when in company, walk in a proper and sensible manner, in single file, instead of sprawling all over across the road and being of no use or support to each other in case of sudden trouble or danger. They reached the carriage drive driver toad hall to find, as the badger had anticipated, a shiny new motor car of great size, painted Ooh. a bright red, toad's favorite color, of course, standing in front of the house. As they neared the door, it was flung open, and Mr Toad, a radiant goggles, cap, gaiters, an enormous overcoat, came swaggering down the steps, drawing on to his gauntleted gloves. Hello, come along, you fellows, he cried cheerfully on catching sight of them. You're just in time to come with me for a jolly, uh, to come for a jolly, for a, uh, a jolly his hearty accents faltered and fell away as he noticed the stern, unbending look on the countenance of his silent friends and his invitation remained unfinished. The Badger strode up the steps. Take him inside, he said sternly to his companions. Then, as Toad was hustled through the door, struggling and protesting, he turned to the chauffeur in charge of the new motor car. I'm afraid you won't be wanted today, he said. Mr Toad has changed his mind. He will not require the car. Please understand that this is final. You needn't wait. Then he followed the others inside and shut the door.
0: <clears throat> now, then, he said to Toad, when the four of them stood together in the hall. First of all, take off those ridiculous things. "Shan't," replied the Toad with great spirit. "What is the meaning of this gross outrage? I demand an instant explanation." "Take them, take him, oh, take them off him." Then you two, ordered Badger briefly. They had to lay toad out on the floor, kicking and calling all sorts of names before they could get to work properly. Then the rat sat on him and the mole got his motor clothes off him bit by bit. Mm. And they stood him up on his Uh legs again. A good deal of his blustering spirit seemed to have been evaporated with the removal of his fine panoply. Now, what he was merely a toad and no longer the terror of the highway... He giggled feebly and looked from one to another appealingly, seeming quite to understand the situation. You knew it must come to this, sooner or later, Toad, the badger explained severely. You've disregarded all the warnings we've given you. You've gone on squandering the money your father left you, and you're getting us animals a bad name in the district by furious driving and your smashes and your rows with the police. Independence is all very well. But we animals never allow our friends to make fools of of themselves beyond a certain limit and the limit you've reached now you're a good fellow in many respects and i don't want to be too hard on you i'll make one more effort to bring you to reason you will come with me into the smoking room and there you will there you will hear some facts about yourself and we'll see whether you come out of that room the same toad that you went in he took toad firmly by the arm "'and led him into the smoking-room and closed the door behind them. "'That's no good,' said the rat contemptuously. "'Talking to Toad will never cure him. "'He'll say anything.' "'They made themselves comfortable in armchairs "'and waited patiently. "'Through the closed door, they could just hear "'the long, continuous drone of the badger's voice "'rising and falling in waves of oratory. "'and presently they noticed that the sermon began "'to be punctuated at intervals,' with long-drawn sobs, evidently proceeding from the bosom of Toad, who was a soft-hearted and affectionate fellow, very easily converted, for the time being, to any point of view.
1: After some three quarters of an hour, the door opened, and the badger reappeared, solemnly leading by the paw, a very limp and dejected Toad. His skin hung baggily about him, his legs wobbled, and his cheeks were furrowed by the tears so plentifully called forth by Badger's moving discourse. Sit down there, Toad, said the Badger kindly, pointing to a chair. My friends, he went on, I'm pleased to inform you that Toad has at least seen the errors of his ways. He is truly sorry for his misguided conduct in the past, and he has undertaken to give up motor cars entirely and forever. I have his solemn promise to that effect. This is very good news, said Mole gravely. Very good news indeed, observed the rat dubiously. If only, if only. He was looking very hard at Toad as he said this, and could not help thinking he perceived something vaguely resembling a twinkle in that animal's still sorrowful eye. There's only one thing more to be done, continued the gratified Badger. Toad, I want you you solemnly to repeat, before your friends here, and what you fully admitted to me in the smoking room just now, First, you are sorry for what you've done, and you see the folly of it all. There was a long, long pause. Toad looked desperately this way and that, while the other ad- animals waited in grave silence. At last he spoke. No, he said a little suddenly, but stoutly. I'm not sorry. And it wasn't folly at all. It was simply glorious. What? <laughs> cried the badger, greatly scandalised. You backsliding animal. Didn't you tell me just now in there? Oh, yes, yes, in there, said Toad <laughs> impatiently. I'd have, I'd have said anything in there. You're so eloquent, dear Badger, and so moving and so convincing and put all your points so frightfully well. You can do what you like with me in there and you know it. But I've been searching my mind since and going over, I- going in it. And I find that I'm not a bit sorry or repentant, really. So it's not earthly good saying I am now, is it?
0: Then you don't promise, said the badger, never to touch a motor car again? Certainly not, replied Toad emphatically. On the contrary, I faithfully promise that the very first motor car I see, poop, poop, off I go on it. Told you so, didn't I observed the rat to the mole? Very well then, said the badger firmly, rising to his feet. Since you won't yield to a persuasion, we'll try what force can do. I feared it would come to this all along. You've often asked us three to come and stay with you, Toad, in this handsome house of yours. Well, now we're going to. When we've converted you to a proper point of view, we may quit, but not before. Take him upstairs, you two, and lock him up in his bedroom while we arrange matters between ourselves. It's for your own good, Toad, you know, said the rat kindly, as Toad, kicking and struggling, was hauled up the stairs by his two faithful friends. Think what fun we shall all have together just as we used to when you've quite got over this this painful attack of yours. We'll take great care of everything for you till you're well, Toad, said the mole, and we'll see your money isn't wasted as it has been. No, no more of those regrettable incidences with the police, Toad, said the rat, as they thrust him into the bedroom. And no more weeks mm. in hospital being ordered about by female nurses, Toad, added the mole, turning the key on him. They descended the stair, Toad shouting abuse at them through the keyhole, and three friends then met in conference on the situation. "'It's going to be tedious business,' said the Badger, sighing. "'I've never seen Toad so determined. "'However, we will see it out. "'He must never be left an instant unguarded. "'We shall have to take it in turns to be with him "'till the poison has worked itself out of his system.'"
1: They arranged watches accordingly. Each animal took it in turns to sleep in Toad's room at night, and they divided the day out between them. At first Toad was undoubtedly very trying to get his careful guardians. When his violent paroxysms possessed him, he would arrange bedroom chairs in rude resemblance of a motor car and would crouch on foremost of them, bent forward and staring fixedly ahead, making uncouth and ghastly noises, the climax was reached when turning a complete somersault he would lie prostrate amid the ruins of the chairs apparently completely satisfied for the moment as time passed however these painful seizures grew gradually less frequent and his friends strove to divert his mind into fresh channels but his interest in other matters did not seem to revive and he grew apparently languid and depressed one fine morning the rat whose turn it was to go on duty went upstairs to relieve badger whom he found fidgeting to be off and stretch his legs in a long ramble round his wood and down his earths and burrows. Toad's still in bed, he told Rat, outside the door. Can't get much out of him except... Oh, leave him alone. He wants nothing. Perhaps he'll be better presently. It may pass off in time. Don't be unduly anxious, and so on. Now you look out, Rat. When Toad's quiet and submissive and playing at being the hero of a Sunday school prize, then he'll be at his artfulness there's sure to be something up. I know him. Well now, I must be off. How are you today, old chap? Inquired the rat cheerfully as he approached Toad's bedside. He had to wait some minutes for an answer. At last a feeble voice replied, oh, thank you so much, dear ratty. So good of you to inquire. But first tell me, how are you yourself and the excellent mole? Oh, we are all right, replied the rat. Mole added incautiously. Is it is going out for a run round with Badger. They'll be out till luncheon time, so you and I can spend a pleasant morning together, and I'll do my best to amuse you. Now jump up, there's a good fellow, and don't lie moping there on a fine morning like this. Dear kind rat, murmured Toad, how little you realise my condition, and how very far I am from jumping up now, if ever. But do not trouble about me, I hate being a burden to my friends, and I do not expect to be one much longer. Indeed, I almost hope not."
0: Well, I hope not too, said the Rat heartily. You've been a fine bother to us all this time, and I'm glad to hear it's going to stop. And in weather like this, and the boating season just beginning, it's too bad for you, Toad. It isn't the trouble we mind, but you're making us miss an awful lot. "'I'm afraid it is the trouble, you mind, though,' replied the toad languidly. "'I can quite understand it. It's natural enough. "'You're tired of bothering about me. "'I mustn't ask you to do anything further. "'I'm a nuisance, I know.' "'You are indeed,' said the rat. "'But I tell you, I'd take any trouble on earth for you, "'if only you'd be a sensible animal.' "'If I thought that, ratty,' murmured toad, "'more feebly than ever, "'then I would beg you, for the last time probably,' to step round to the village as quickly as possible, even now it may be too late, and fetch the doctor. But don't bother, it's only a trouble, and perhaps we may as well let things take their course. Why? Mm. What do you want a doctor for? inquired the rat, coming closer and examining him. He certainly lay still and flat, and his voice was weaker and his manner much changed. Surely you've noticed of late, murmured the toad, but no, why should you? "'Noticing things is only a trouble. "'Tomorrow, indeed, you may be saying to yourself, "'Oh, if only I had noticed sooner, "'if only I had done something. "'But no, it's a trouble. "'Never mind, forget I asked.' "'Look here, old man,' said the rat, "'beginning to get rather alarmed. "'Of course I'll fetch a doctor to you, "'if you really think you want him. "'But you can hardly be bad enough for that yet. "'Let's talk about something else.' "'I fear, dear friend,' said Toad with a sad smile. That talk can do little in a case like this, or doctors either, for that matter. Still, one must grasp at the slightest straw. And by the way, while you are about it, I hate to give you additional trouble, but I happen to remember that you will pass the door. Would you mind at the same time asking the lawyer to step up? It would be an inconvenience to me, and there are moments, perhaps, I should say, where there is a moment when one must face disagreeable tasks at whatever cost, to exhausted nature.
1: A lawyer? Oh, he must be really bad, the (laughs) affrighted rat said to himself, as he hurried from the room, not forgetting, however, to lock the door carefully behind him. Outside he stopped to consider. The other two were far away, and he had no one to consult. Hmm, it's best to be on the safe side, he said on reflection. I've known Toad fancy himself frightfully bad before, without the slightest reason, but I've never heard him ask for a lawyer. If there's nothing really the matter, the doctor will tell him he's an old ass and cheer him up, and that will be something gained. I'd better humor him and go. It won't take very long. So he ran off to the village on his errand of mercy. The toad, who was hopped slightly out of bed as soon as he heard the key turned in the lock, watched him eagerly from the window till he disappeared down the carriage drive. Then laughing heartily, he dressed as quickly as possible in the smartest suit he could lay on at the moment, filled his pockets with cash, which he took from a small drawer in the dressing table, and next, knotting the sheets from his bed together and tying one end of the improvised rope around the central mullion of the handsome Tudor window, which formed such a feature of his bedroom, he scrambled out, slid lightly to the ground, and, taking the opposite direction of Rat marched off lightheartedly, whistling a merry tune. Uh, we have no idea what the whistle is, by the way. Guys. Uh, it was a gloomy luncheon for Rat when the badger and the mole at length returned, and he had to face them at table with his pitiful and unconvincing story. The badger's caustic, not to say brutal remarks may be imagined and therefore passed over, but it was painful to the rat that even the mole, though he took his friend's side as far as possible, could not help saying, You've been a bit of a duffer this time, Ratty. Toad, too, of all animals. He he did it awfully well, said the crestfallen rat. He did you awfully well, Mm -hmm. rejoined the badger hotly. However, talking won't mend matters. He's got clear away for this time. That's for certain. And the worst of it is he'll be so conceited with what he thinks is his cleverness that he may commit any folly one comfort is we're free now and needn't waste any more of our precious time doing sentry go but we'd better continue to sleep at toad hole for a while longer toad may be may be brought back at any moment on a stretcher or between two policemen oh. so spoke the badger not knowing what the future held in store Or how much water and how turbid a character was to run under bridges before Toad should sit at ease again in his ancestral hole.
0: Meanwhile, Toad, gay and irresponsible, was walking briskly along the high road some miles from home. At first he had taken bypaths and crossed many fields and changed his course several times in case of pursuit. But now, feeling by this time safe from recapture and the sun smiling brightly on him and all the nature joining in chorus of approval to the song of self-praise that his own heart was singing to him. He almost danced along the road in satisfaction and conceit. Smart piece of work that he remarked to himself, chuckling. Brain against brute force. And the brain came out on top. And it's bound to. Poor old ratty. My, won't he catch it when the badger gets back. A worthy fellow ratty with many good qualities, but very little intelligence and absolutely no education. I must take him in hand some day and see if I can make something of him. Filled full of conceited thoughts such as these, he strode along, his head in the air, till he reached a little town where the sign of the red lion swinging across the road half way down the main street reminded him that he had not had breakfast that day and that he was exceedingly hungry after his long walk. He marched into the inn, ordered the best luncheon that could be provided. As at so short a notice, and sat down to eat in the coffee room. He was about halfway through his meal when an only too familiar sound approaching down the street made him start and fall a trembling all over. A poop poop drew nearer and nearer. The car could be heard to turn into the inn yard and come to the shop, and Toad had to hold on to the leg of the table to conceal his overmastering emotion. Presently, the party entered the coffee room hungry, talkative and gay, voluble in the experiences of the morning and the merits of the chariot that had brought them along so well.
1: Toad listened eagerly, all ears for a time. At last he could stand it no longer. He slipped out of the room (laughs) quietly, paid his bill at the bar, Mm -hmm. and as soon as he got sauntered outside, round quietly to the (sighs) inn yard. There cannot be any harm, he said to himself, in my only just looking at it. The car stood in the middle of the yard, quite unattended, the stable helps and other hangers-on, being all at their dinner. Toad walked slowly round it, inspecting, criticising, musing deeply. I wonder, he said to himself presently, I wonder if this sort of car starts easily. Next moment, hardly knowing how it came about, he found himself hold of the handle and was turning it as the familiar sound broke forth the old passion seized on Toad and completely mastered him body and soul as if in a dream he found himself somehow seated in the driver's (laughs) seat as if it was a dream he pulled the lever and swung the car round the yard and out through the archway, and as if in a dream, all sense of right and wrong, all fear of obvious consequences seemed temporarily suspended. He increased his pace, and as the car devoured the street and leapt forth on the high road through the open country, he was only conscious that he was towed once more, towed at his best and highest, towed the terror, the traffic queller, the lord of the lone trail, before all whom must give way or be smitten into nothingness and everlasting light. He chanted as he flew, and the car responded with sonorous drone. The miles were eaten up under him as he sped. He knew not whither, fulfilling his instincts, living his hour, reckless of what may come. To my mind, observed the chairman of the bench for magistrates cheerfully, much later, the only difficulty that presents itself in this otherwise very clear case, how we can possibly make it sufficiently hot for the incorrigible rogue and the hardened ruffian we see cowering in the dock before us. Let me see. He has been found guilty on the clearest evidence, first, of stealing a a valuable motor car, secondly, of driving to the public danger, and thirdly, of gross impertinence to the rural police. Mr Clark, will you tell us please, what is the very stiffest penalty we can can impose for each of these offences? Without, of course, giving the prisoner the benefit of any doubt, because there isn't any.
0: The clerk scratched his nose with his pen. Some people would consider, he observed, that stealing the motor car was the worst offence, and so it is. But cheeking the police undoubtedly carries the severest penalty, and so is aught. Supposing you were to say 12 months for the theft, which is mild, and three years for the furious driving, which is lenient, and 15 years for the cheek, which was pretty bad sort of cheek, judging by what we've heard from the witness box. Even if you only believe one-tenth part of what you've heard, and I never believe more myself, those figures if added together correctly tot up to 19 years. First rate, said the chairman. So you'd better make it around 20 years and be on the safe side, concluded the clerk. An excellent suggestion, said the chairman approvingly. Prisoner, pull yourself together and try and stand up straight. It's going to be 20 years for you this time and mind if you appear before us again upon any charge whatsoever we will have to deal with you very seriously then the brutal minions of law fell upon the hapless toad loaded him with chains and dragged him from the courthouse shrieking praying protesting across the marketplace where the playful populace always as severe upon detected crime as they are sympathetic and helpful was one in. Um, when one is merely wanted, assailed him with jeers, carrots, and popular catchwords. Past hooting schoolchildren, their innocent faces lit up with the pleasure they ever derived from the sight of a gentleman in difficulties. Across the hollow-sounding drawbridge, below the spiky porticolus, under the frowning archway of the grim old castle, whose ancient towers soared high overhead. Past guard rooms full of grinning soldiery, off-duty, past sentries who coughed in a horrid, sarcastic way, because that is as much as a sentry on a post-stair do not show his contempt and abhorrence of crime.
1: Up time worn no, okay, no, no, no. No. Okay. Um, winding stairs past men-at-arms in casket and corset of steels, darting, threatening looks through the through the vizards, across courtyards, where masters strained at their leash and poured the air to get it in, past ancient warders, their halberds leant against the wall, dozing over a pasty and a flagon of brown brown ale, on and on, past the rack chamber and the thumbscrew room, Mm, past the turning that led to the private scaffold, till they reached the door of the grimiest, grimest dungeon that lay in the heart of the innermost keep. There at last they paused, where an ancient jailer sat fingering a bunch of mighty keys. Odds, said the sergeant of police, taking off his helmet and wiping his forehead. Rouse thee, old loon, and take over from us this vile toad, a criminal of deepest guilt and matchless artfulness and resource. Watch and ward him with all thy skill, and mark thee well, greybeard, should aught untoward before thy old head shall answer for his and a murrian on both of them the jailer nodded nodded grimly laying his withered hand on the shoulder of the miserable toad the rusty key creaked in the lock the great door clanged behind them and toad was a helpless prisoner in the remotest dungeon of the best guarded keep of the stoutest castle in all the length and breadth of merry england